0: Welcome back to Incremental, the continuous improvement podcast. This is our concepts edition for the week. I'm Devin Bedoni. And I'm Uriel Eisen. And
1: today we have a theme of growing pains. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) Um, So a quote, everyone forgets Icarus also flew. I believe that Icarus was not failing as he fell, but just coming to the end of his triumph. Um, It's a quote from the Film Roadrunner about Anthony Bourdain So Mm -hmm. sort of a Definitely more tragic than we intend it Here (laughs) Um, In this case I think it was It jumped out to me um, Because I think it's and we've talked about this previously But I Mm -hmm. think it's really important to, to not View failure Like not view Outcomes not judge things by outcomes Right judge things by process And it's important to encourage Trial and um there's not you're you're not actually encouraging real um freedom of creativity or something if you penalize for bad outcomes. Yeah. Like it just has to be about like, is it a good process? Um and also just encouraging trying things. Also, <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit um <laughs> like you're fucking close to <laughs> like the sun. my wings are on fire. <laughs> <laughs> um not quite. A lot of our improvements, we're just sort of seeing. Uh, we, we've grown a lot in the last month um, in terms of production, and a lot of things are, yeah, starting to melt. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I
0: think I would add, like, just sort of a uh, clarifying that a little bit is. I think, I think you can, it's not focusing on local outcomes, mm. and like kind of similar to the the general themes we've been talking about of like stepping back and looking at larger process and larger, larger flow, like the general outcome still needs to be positive or the business fails. That's
1: true in a, yes, yeah. in a big sense. But also I, I think it's notable that with the Icarus story, the way people talk about it is yeah. re- like the lesson there is sort of don't try. Yeah. Don't fly above your station is sort of it. Right. But um, instead of the, uh, the the sort of conclusion being like, oh, that's very interesting that you can fly. I mean, yeah. that's huge, right? <laughs> wax isn't the material. Right. But we can yeah. figure out the wax part. And that's really like learning from that instead of just saying like, oh, don't try anymore. Yeah. Which I think is most companies working on improvements <laughs> and trying to implement lean from what I understand mm-hmm. is kind of like, yeah, we tried that once. Mm-hmm. And we did three months and everything was sort of on fire. So we stopped. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, no. Yeah, definitely point point holds. Yeah, no, I think uh, you're I think it's just not a, a binary, right? It's like uh Looking encouraging it in a certain realm and a certain scale. Yes to further the the greater goal
1: Yeah, if 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 icarus in this case represents your company you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Rather than like little pieces of yeah the functions of the company. Yeah, it's uh those are very different things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it shouldn't be viewed as a failure. It should be viewed as like a learning opportunity, basically. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of like, uh, this is a tangent, but
0: like um, just doing physical training for hmm. athletics. Yeah. How like every every training regime should be sort of like a little, a small failure or like a a push to failure. Sort oh, of like all of these small, like, Icarus moments where you push until you can't push again. But as long as they're not so large that they actually, like, break you. Right. They they further the, the goal because your body responds
1: and the processes in your body become better. Um, interesting. And similarly, I mean, a lot of lean is oriented toward failure, like, finding the failures yeah. proactively.
0: Proactively finding small failures to, like, increase the, them. The,
1: the system efficiency. Yeah. Yeah, so we both noted in our notes here, um, I wrote all our systems are failing and you wrote growing pains. <laughs> um, yeah, how how are things in the shop?
0: I think things are generally good. Um, it's been a, like just a, as an aside, it's been kind of an awkward week because I, maybe it's going on two weeks now, sort of took an opportunity to work on some internal stuff which has been very heavy on my plate and then we also had a decent sized prototype job which is also heavy on my plate gotcha. so kind of the general flow has slowed down quite a bit mm-hmm. in the shop um things are really clean <laughs> uh so it's kind of weird to be talking about this right now because we haven't been crazy busy in the typical way but um yeah i think the one that came to mind was actually the the thing we do for you where we cut a bunch of your stock to the mm-hmm. wrong length uh, without realizing it. Um, well, I mean, we did catch Realized it. Realized before delivery. Yeah we, yeah, we did catch it. But, um, and yeah, just kind of like finding these holes as things accelerate is due to a um, having multiple, not having a single source of truth. Interesting. How did that... Yeah. Um, or the specific, I mean, I don't know if they're interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of like, it might be interesting. Um, so the way our software works, we have like a, like a quote, a quoting line essentially. Mm-hmm. And then there's a separate lines for each in Airtable. table. They're called a record. Okay. There's a separate line for each operation. Gotcha. And so like in the quoting line for the stock usage, I will add a saw curve. And oh, and also it's only to a certain precision so it rounds up. Um, so and then also in the um, in the stock ordering, it pulls from that, rounds it again potentially, depending on where the number falls or it could round differently. Mm-hmm. So there's two places where you could have a something that you think is a cut length for a material. Yeah, and then we typically have another saw operation where we actually put a descriptive cut length, like we write out cut length is this many inches. Gotcha. Um, And it just happened that um, someone went to the quote operation without realizing it instead of the saw
1: operation. Interesting. And pulled the rounded up number. So we added a Well, I guess our stock was a great place for that failure to happen. It was. (laughs) Relatively speaking, pretty cheap. It's Yeah, all
0: things considered pretty cheap. Like uh, (laughs) we... We did modify them on the mill yesterday. Oh, you did? <clears throat> and I was like, ah, oh, it'll be on the R450. It's a breeze. And it was still like oh, God. most of a day because it was, you know, like 300 or
1: almost 500-ish.
0: No, it was almost 400. It was just shy of 400 parts. i just saying. So even at, you know, Damn. 10, 10 seconds apart, that that's, that that's a lot of work. Yeah. And even on the R450, it took longer to load than the cut cycle. So it was, it was hmm. faster than it would have been on a a 700 but not terribly faster interesting um so yeah we're just kind of like finding more and more of those little things where it's like the process is not um like the process is simple enough that when you have your wits about you and you're fully focused like you can always find the right place but as soon as things like accelerate a little bit and maybe you're trying to do two things at once it's easy to like slip up and find yourself in the wrong spot yeah so we are planning to build this or we're working on building out this new system where hopefully some of that stuff will be gone but it's not in place yet so interesting for the moment the fix was like here's the explicit place that you get a cut length not anywhere else right um that's not a great fix, but it's kind of a. a I mean, short it's something. Trip. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just been, none of these specifics are coming to mind, but but there's been quite a few things recently like that, and uh, yeah, we had some some shipping errors where things didn't, you know, stuff was supposed to go into a batch to anodize to get our pricing correct and save on shipping and all that, and it's like, a couple parts got left out for no good reason, just Damn. because we the system hadn't been fully built out yet. Right. So that's our growing pains. Nothing too like crazy, but that, you know, adds time to each day and adds expense and yeah, makes people feel bad too. No one likes feeling like they made a mistake.
1: Totally. Yeah. I I got a text yesterday basically being like, Hey, I think I'm dropping the ball because, um, and have some ideas of how to fix it. And I I was kind of like, you're actually succeeding in spite of bad systems. (laughs) Like our systems are, we're pushing them to the limits and we're finding those limits. And as you said, like you start relying on people being smart and clever and resourceful. Yeah. uh, Which is great that they are um, for the most part, (laughs) but also, yeah, there's limits there. Yeah. I've (laughs) gotten some similar apologies and just been like,
0: no, like this can't, this business can't rely on you showing up with your like double A game every day. (laughs) Right, exactly. Like that's great that you're awesome. And I really appreciate that you're awesome. And also like stuff's gonna happen. Like, you know, life happens. Like things happen in in your life where like you're gonna show up on your C game sometimes. (laughs) Like I show up on my C game sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And it has to continue to function in that state.
1: Yeah, and I I was appreciative that that they kind of noticed, I guess, that things weren't going, right? Like, uh-huh. at least seeing that things are not going well. Yeah. I mean, they're going very well. <laughs> right. But in particular ways. So for us, it's kind of, um, we've been producing, uh, let's say, 30 to 40 pieces a day. Yeah. And we're starting to get up toward, like, between 60 and 100 pieces a day. Yeah. We don't I mean this is just a very small example one example of all of our systems are like sort of melting down Um, (laughs) And not in a major way, but like we don't have enough uh, racks for painting Um, So when a batch is in the oven all of our racks are in the oven, which means that we can't start Getting ready for a new batch of paint Until everything is out of the oven cooled down quality control (laughs) then you can go which just means that doing two batches in a day is really difficult because yeah. there's just not enough hour. Like there's just enough hours in the day. And so everything needs to line up perfectly Yeah, you can't forget about something and then realize like an hour after that process finished that you can start on the next process like that sort of kicks it into two days and so There's sort of been a lot of that and then to make up for that we've started doing a lot of expediting which mm. is basically the act of Um, you know for anyone out there who's not familiar everyone starts doing it and it's a great thing to pay attention to because it indicates um, substantial room for improvement but also indicates a bottleneck often because if you're expediting through a particular process it means that that process uh, is throttling you in some way um, even if it's not like the global bottleneck Um, but basically it's it's sort of manually reordering like update modifying the order of things through a particular operation yeah so for us there's a lot of that going on now around the shop to try to squeeze the last bits of capacity we have yeah um and it's interesting because i mean it it definitely indicates a, a few things one is our kanban quantities are too high And so the information isn't flowing upstream fast enough because you're basically batching the upstream flow of information that triggers production. Um, And because of that, the order is off based on usage. Yeah. Um, And so like, there's an issue with that. There's an issue with um, a lot of sandblasted parts are ending up going upstairs without Kanban cards. Hmm. Because I mean, these are a number of issues one we just need to be much more diligent But often if you're really in a hurry It's like, oh, I'm pretty sure this is going up next but the kanban card isn't Like ready yet or is upstairs because someone forgot to bring these up with those So then you walk upstairs and then you realize there's like three other baskets of parts Mm. That someone had the same thought about yeah, (laughs) and so then we carry those back downstairs but then they're post uh, sandblasting and like gas out. And so then the question becomes, like, where do they get restocked? Yeah. And do you untrigger Kanban that went to the mill? Um, so just like a lot of this <laughs> little stuff that ends up eating a good amount of time. And I think has sort of like, we had a very nice uh, system going for quite a while where you didn't have to do a lot of thinking about like exactly what should go on the mill right yeah. now, exactly what should get sandblasted this second so that we can run paint now for orders that we have that we can't ship yet. Yeah, Like, so we're just like slightly behind on everything and um, in a useful way. Like it's interesting to see what is breaking. Yeah. Um, like one thing we've sort of been playing with is now that we have these And part of it is, like, we talked about extending our run times on the mill. Yeah. So now we have these really long run times, or relatively speaking, um, it becomes very useful to schedule out the day. Yeah. Which we have no mechanism of doing right now. Mm. So we almost need, like, instead of just a bin that holds all of our Kanban, we kind of need, like, a 24-hour period or something. Yeah. That those get arranged into. Um, Is there... I might be
0: pushing things the wrong direction, but is there a way that adding some buffers would allow you to kind of maintain those simple systems a little more effectively because you're not needing to rush things through? Like, it's a good question. Like, can you maintain the same overall output without, without this expediting? If you had a little more buffer to pull from, um, for your downstream processes. Yeah. Like it seems like potentially what you're dealing with is not an overall capacity constraint, but just a timing issue. And if you had a little more buffer at a yeah.
1: couple places that maybe that timing issue could be. He- hearing hearing you say that. Yeah. <laughs> hearing you say that. I think you're right. Um, right now we flow from. Sandblasting through at the end of paint. Yeah, but that involves a few steps and there are some of them are long steps like gas out takes an hour Yeah, and sandblasting takes 10 minutes And so if you get to the end of that process and realize you sandblasted the wrong parts and those went in the oven Yeah, then you're realizing an hour and 10 minutes late. Yeah that now you have the wrong parts sandblasted for the batch of paint that's meant to go in. So then you go reshuffle what you're going to paint that round. Yeah. But then you walk over to the assembly area to make sure that if you do change that order, that you'll still be able to ship the parts that need to get shipped that day. So here, like I maybe it seems like would what buffer ahead of paint, like directly ahead of paint. So you can always pull parts to rack or something. Yeah.
0: I'm not exactly sure. Like, Again, I'm not, I'm fairly familiar with your process at this point, but not, Yeah, you know, I'm not there every day. So I don't know where, but it seems like you sort of, and not to be too harsh, but maybe you have sort of false flow in some areas. Hmm. Yeah. And thinking about sort of Kanban principles is like, okay, so reduce it till it breaks, then add it back in. And you might have, you might have an approximation of flow where you don't right. actually have flow and you need buffer. For now, because it's My not feeling, single
1: piece, or it's not matched piece, or the timing's off. Right. I think you may be right uh, on all fronts, including that it's not exactly the right direction to go, but might be a good idea anyway. It might allow um, you to, like, at least
0: yeah, pick these pieces, like, yeah. pick them off one at a time, instead of just
1: kind of having Being in, your in a state of... <laughs> melted wings. <laughs> melted wings. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good call. I think, like... Going back to the, what is it, six rules of Kanban? Yeah. um, Like, one of them is that nothing moves without a Kanban. Mm -hmm. We violate that one all the time, and it's Mm -hmm. really problematic. And there's good reasons that we violate it, but they're bad (laughs) reasons. (laughs) They're good, bad reasons. It's like, the good reason, for example, is our mill produces a different number of parts than the Kanban calls for. Yeah. And then there's sort of a question of, do we change how many parts the mill makes? Do we change how many parts the Kanban calls for? Mm -hmm. Then if our batch size from in the paint department is different from our batch size on the mill. Anyway, there's just it's one of those things. It's like this is why our wings are melted. (laughs) It's like (laughs) we need time to fix those problems. And that is actually a good amount of like deep thinking involved. Yeah. Um, and simultaneously we need to ship more than we've ever shipped before. So it's sort of like, right. uh, We were just having the conversation yesterday about, um, you know, and this is super relevant for anyone thinking about starting lean. Any time we put into improvements is a bad idea this week and next week. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and the week after that, like most improvements are only going to start paying off after like three to six months where you're yeah. back to your, you've reached parity. Yeah. Yeah. Like your ROI is zero. <laughs> right? like You're back to zero instead of negative. Yeah. And it's really important to remember that because, um, like it's always going to be an uphill battle to make sure that we're continuing to invest the time and improvements yeah because the, any rational person goes, wow, we have a lot on our plate. <laughs> Let's maybe just like hunker down and bang that out. But I think the issue is, and, and I, I think a lot of this, like the reason a lot of lean implementations start when people are in trouble is because you have a lot of human. Like capacity mm-hmm. that's free up from doing production work. Right. Because you don't have paying jobs. Yeah and so it's sort of like well hail mary <laughs> let's yeah. try to make this efficient because um, we have all these people so we can either lay them off or yeah go to work on our systems and, and so then when things are going really well yeah two things it's easy to ignore problems because at the end of the day you're at least getting a lot of revenue even if your profits are not great mm-hmm. um and secondly there's just no free time yeah um
0: yeah Interesting. Well, I think not to tell you what to do, but it seems like adding some buffers into those systems will allow you to solve the problems one at a time instead of That's trying a, to solve a big complex problem all at once. Yeah, I like that. um You have to have some time to build those buffers, but that seems
1: potentially I think, doable. I think so. I think this, we can do that quickly. The
0: stock might almost already be there, just not like in the right place organized yeah. as such.
1: Yeah. I wonder we bake the, we bake our aluminum parts at three hundred degrees. Yeah, I was kind of curious, like if we just left parts of every type in the oven, uh huh, would that change? Like we run T six. I wonder if that would change. Wait, the oh, hardness, the temper, the hmm. temper. I feel like it's not far off of the <clears throat> soak temps. I think the soak temps are around six hundred. Are they? I could For be some wrong.
0: reason. I thought they were lower, but I could be totally off. Um, I mean i'm no metallurgist my <laughs> understanding awesome. is that aluminum is always hardening and that the soak temp just uh, accelerates that interesting so yeah i think it's like it's an accelerated age hardening i could be off here i don't know if like i mean t6 6061 is fairly brittle so i'm sure you don't want to get it too hard but
1: Okay, so this is saying aluminum sixty sixty one alloy is hot worked at two sixty to three five hundred to seven hundred. Cold. Nah, this is forging. Mm. Also interested in this <laughs> for different reasons. Anyway, um, so I'll look that up. But yeah, the point stands. I think I think part of what's going on now is that because everything is sort of stressed, yeah, it's very hard to, um like not one thing is sort of calling our name hard of being like hey fix me yeah <laughs> it's sort of like, and so actually um we're we've scheduled a longer morning meeting this morning to just like step back slow down mm-hmm. have a think yeah <laughs> you know
0: that's very important i've been finding
1: yes i think it's easy to start running faster but this is like if you're on fire, <laughs> the thing to do is to stop, stop. drop, and roll, right? <laughs> Not run faster. <laughs> like
0: it's sort of <laughs> analogous. now, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I've been finding that. I also just this is a tangent too, but having a morning meeting where it's like sort of an explicit time to, that it's okay to like kind of dive into stuff is pretty helpful versus just bringing things up as they happen. Because mm. I think often. You know, if you're in your flow and it's like, oh, hey, let's talk about this quick, this thing real quick. Like you're both trying to get back to something else. There's not like you don't feel like either of you don't feel like you have the freedom to really dive in. Yeah. And really problem solve. And at the morning meetings, I've found it's, I found it. There's a lot more engagement of like, OK, here's a problem. Like, how should we actually fix this? Not just not just like don't do it again or like what was the issue or, you know, kind of a quick cursory. Yeah. It's like let's let's find a solution, Um, and sometimes they do stretch out quite a bit. I've been finding our morning meetings, even when we try and keep them quick, are often twenty minutes, half an hour. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, it's like you're paying people for that time, but I do think a net gain is is high.
1: Yeah, that's what I a a very consistent piece of feedback I've heard from like people are uh, do like lean tours of their shops. Yeah. Is that like that is the best use of money they've they've ever spent, spent. basically? Yeah. yeah, I can see that. Um, on the topic of problem solving, um, I've been reading this book, um, the Toyota Engagement Equation, which I feel like they could have done a better job <laughs> coming up with the title. But sounds interesting. <laughs> I don't think it does. I think like I've talked about it to a few people. Who I've recommended it to and you can see they're just like I will not be reading. that. No, it doesn't sound (laughs) like an
0: interesting book It's like
1: an interesting sort of curious title, but very curious title Um, the book itself doesn't feel like what you'd expect from that title. Uh Uh-huh. There's been no math so far (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, it's not like dense theoretical mathematics for Uh evaluating whatever jit or something. Yeah, um It's basically about the process of problem-solving and so we had talked about a while ago about single loop learning versus double loop learning. Yeah and um, Basically single loop learning is evaluating where you're at compared to a set point. So for example it's sort of like if we want more capacity on the mill we try a thing. We say, did that get us more capacity, or did that get us the amount of capacity we're after? Yeah. Are we closer or further away? Okay, let's update our methods. Yeah. Double loop learning adds a loop of uh, a target for the method of problem solving for the problem of capacity on the mill. Mm. And so it's sort of like, are we going? Ab- is our process for coming up with new ideas for increasing capacity a good process? Yeah. Um, and interestingly, A three is a process for problem solving that Toyota has spent like 60 years improving. Mm -hmm. And so it is a very, I don't know. I think there's a lot of, um, it's a a very compelling reason to use it to me Yeah, because it's kind of like, okay, they spend, which we've talked about before, but they spend a, a substantial amount of the problem solving process on um, defining the existing state, defining the problem, like mm-hmm. really making sure you fully understand the problem. some really nice rules of thumb, like if there's more than five root causes for the thing you are dealing with, yeah, that you need to do another a three for each one of those root oh, causes. yeah, um, and uh so, so anyway, so it's been really interesting. So we actually just printed off some a three forms to start using religiously for everything get a3 paper uh no that is the last piece we're trying to figure out is (laughs) i think we're just because a3 is basically two 11 by 17s side by side it's two 11 by 17s or two eight and a half by 11s oh sorry eight and a half by 11s make 11 by 17 yeah um so I think we're just going to like rosterize it or whatever. It's not rosterize it. What's it called? Where Uh, you split it into two. Yeah. I forget what it's called anyway. um, That makes sense. Yeah. So um, it's been really helpful already, even though we're not filling them out yet. Um, Just making sure when someone flags a problem, like my habitual state is to be like, okay, great. Have you tried this? Have you tried that? Have you? And like, that is missing, you know, 50 to 70% of Toyota's process. Maybe not. It's probably around 50% yeah. of the process that you're just skipping. And I would say it's arguably the more important half of the process. Um So anyway. Nice. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I've been wanting to do some of
0: that. And it's just like, I just keep running into this. Like, where do we set this piece of paper?
2: Like, I know we don't yeah.
0: we like don't have a place to put it
2: oh we
1: did implement a whipboard. oh cool and so I think we have space on our whipboard yeah. for us each to have one a3 running at any given point interesting any, in yeah. time we do not <laughs> yeah but so that could change it's the side of our mill maybe you need to buy a bigger mill so you have a bigger <laughs> oh there we go anything to buy new machines yeah absolutely
0: <laughs> Um, cool. Well, I have been reading a new book called job shop lean. Very cool. So I thought I'd drop a couple tidbits in here. I'm not very far into it. Mm. Um, but already it's, um, it's validating a lot of the kind of conversations that you and I had and sort of concepts we came up with. Very cool. Which is cool. Um, and I like the approach in general. The author is kind of breaking things down into like, okay, here's things from traditional TPS that work in a job shop. Mm-hmm. Just copy and paste. Here's things that do not. And here's things that, here are tools that you can use to help implement some of those things that don't copy and paste well. Interesting. Um, so the basic, again, I'm like not even done with the first chapter. Mm-hmm. It's pretty dense though the basic concept is combining TPS slash lean with what was called group theory. Okay. Which I think was came out of England in the sixties, maybe. Um, it's not, (laughs) I think it's funny. Like some of these things have this, like, they're like, this is a theory. And you're like, well, that's just a couple, just a concept. (laughs) But it's very simple. Really. At the end of the day, um, it's just grouping all of your part numbers into part families Okay, Um, and then organizing your factory flow or whatever around those part numbers interesting um, kind of comes back to the classic like we have too many different things and once you zoom out just a little bit realizing that there's massive overlap and really you do a couple different things or a handful of different things we have our
1: sawn milled parts we have our sawn turned milled parts we have our sawn turn for us
0: yeah and like the author is going wider than machine shops okay considerably um you know he the author was basically like if you do anything you know anything that supplies to assembly line manufacturers you do any any high mix low volume stuff mm-hmm. regardless of whether it's metalwork or something else like you you can use these principles okay um so that's a fundamental thing is like organizing by-product families and a lot of this is oriented towards job shops that do repeat work mm-hmm. um but i think you can take these same principles and apply them to shops that do single orders of new parts but okay. still organized based on features size kind of workflow etc yep. um And that basically then the concept is, so we can't have, right. There's not an assembly line, right. Mm -hmm. In a job shop, like the, the (laughs) the pace is not dictated by a tact. Yeah. And there's not a first in first out like you have on an assembly line. So you have, you can't organize around that
1: sort of, that sort of thing. Okay. And, uh, um, We've got some upstairs neighbors making some noise here. yeah sorry about that <laughs> you interrupted my train of thought <laughs> wow <laughs>
0: um so you have to organize around due dates and so the author is basically saying instead of a, like the traditional method is to have um sort of like specialist divisions in a a shop where you have okay. like you're turning department and then you have your milling department and then you have your finishing department and then you have your inspection department. Mm -hmm. And the concept is get away from that because the routings become crazy and there's just material traveling all over the, the facility and create cells that are dedicated to product families. So basically you're like, okay, so this cell only makes parts in this size that follow this workflow. That makes a lot of sense. And it's a discrete unit. Um, the people in it, are trained on all of the different things that need to happen in that mm-hmm. cell. And once, a, once a part number is in that cell, it can work on a first in first out kind of basis while it's in the cell. Um, okay. And so I thought that was kind of, I mean, it's fairly intuitive, but also not how a lot of people do it. So that was cool. Um, because of the
1: cells or which part or the scheduling or kind of both
0: just kind of like, yeah, tying it all together. Yeah. Um, basically, it's kind of like okay, you can't flow this whole, you can't flow everything because mm-hmm. it's mismatched timing, it's mismatched processes, it's mm-hmm. mismatched like physical sizes and stuff. So break it into chunks that you can flow.
1: Gotcha. Um,
0: right. There was one interesting thing where a researcher did a bunch of just measurements in in facilities that produce things. Okay. And found out like kind of what the batch delays were due to spatial separation. Oh. Just like how they ended up landing. Not what people planned, but what actually happened in real life. Okay. And basically like if things were adjacent, work centers were adjacent or connected with a conveyor, mm-hmm. you could have a single unit flow mm-hmm. of, you know, single piece uh, flow. If things were across an aisle, things were almost always batched in a unit that either a person could carry or you could roll on a cart. Fascinating. If, um, if things were across a facility, like within the same building, but separated uh-huh. substantially in a facility, things were almost always batched in a minimum of one hour's worth of work.
1: Fascinating.
0: Yeah. And if things were in a separate facility, things were almost always batched in a day's worth of work. And so it's
1: interesting to think about. Okay, so like, so that that is that intuition. Is that like people? That's not. I'm guessing that's just people's intuition of what makes sense for them to make that trip. Yeah, right? I think it's
0: kind of, yeah, people weighing everything and just. I think it's part of. But probably intuitive. not explicitly. I don't think it's. Ins- I'm just thinking like
1: yeah. Toyota has people deliver. Like some people deliver once per hour, like some companies Mm -hmm. deliver once per hour. I think this was without intervention. Yeah. This is kind of like, this is what happens if you don't
0: actively change. Right. Um, And even if you do try and make some active changes, you know, like you just said, there's like the once per hour thing, like that might be facility to facility, but that's Mm -hmm. kind of like outside the, outside the norm considerably. Yeah,
1: exactly. I was just thinking like that probably took... Like, I know they've done some stuff where, like, they'll have a truck that goes to multiple facilities. So you're sort of amortizing the trip yeah. across multiple things. Yeah. Um, But no, that's really interesting.
0: <coughs> so it was kind of cool to be like, okay, so if we want things to actually flow, like, they need to be close together. That's just a reality. Yeah, and I think
1: not only like you don't need them to be close together, but if they're not, you're going to have this uphill battle of battle of like fighting people's intuition kind of. Right. And so a, it's much less waste to put them right next to each other just from a transportation perspective. Yeah. But B, whereas one way you'd sort of need to be like, okay, no, for real guys, like this (laughs) is from a global perspective better. So I know it doesn't feel like it, but every five parts, I want you to walk them over across the shop to here. Mm hmm. Instead of it just like happening naturally.
0: Yeah. Or if you, you know, can successfully organize around this flow, this flow cell system sort of negates
1: a lot of that. Yeah. Hopefully. So in thinking about that, um, I could see that for a shop that's doing like repeat work. Mm -hmm. These mills that we're running, I mean, like it would be really nice if they're more mobile. (laughs) Um, And actually like I think it's uh, Oh man what's the name of that shop I'm forgetting Uh, Saunders did a Tour of it Metal Quest? May have been Metal Quest Where they're moving around they they have these Air skates and they move their Tools Uh around sort of depending on Oh I don't know what parts they're running Yeah Anyway so like It may be I, I wonder if it's worth Some hard thinking about Kind of how to make How to design around flexibility, basically. Yeah. I think there's that
0: in thinking about this for my own shop, my own processes, I was realizing that, like, at our scale right now and for the work we do, for all intents and purposes, like, our shop is one cell. Right. And effectively, like, we have really narrowed our, in the grand scheme of things, we've really narrowed our scope. Okay. So that we can almost treat it as such. Like so, you've almost narrowed it to one cell, kind of. Like at this point, it's kind of like we do these few things. They there's some variation, mm-hmm. um, and we do some stuff that sort of feels like outside the bounds of what we should be doing on our equipment. Yeah, but in the global view of manufacturing, and even in the global view of machining, like we are very, we have a very narrow scope. Um, and I, not to say that we couldn't do more to create cell kind of flow Mm -hmm. which i was sort of thinking you know about that last night like okay so like if i were to kind of try you know i've sort of tried to make all my machines be able to run the same stuff yeah so that we can push any work so that we don't have idle machines Mm -hmm. um and i think there is a benefit to that but i do think there's also sort of benefit to at some point being like okay once we get processes to a certain state we're going to push all automatable work within a certain scale to this or within a certain size range to this machine and that is going to be like this cell effectively and then it can float to downstream stuff um like like a single machine cell potentially even yeah um huh one other interesting piece was organizing I haven't actually gotten to the point where they like define these terms yet. Okay. But organizing all of your jobs into what they called runners, repeaters and strangers. Okay. Um, and I think like runners, I'm guessing just based on how it's been talked about runners is stuff. That's just like easy. Like it just goes or it's always going even Mm -hmm. repeaters is stuff that comes in often, I think. And strangers is like your oddball jobs. Okay. And, and then following sort of an 80-20 rule of hmm. organizing your parts by volume of like like building a matrix of kind of what parts make up 80% of your volume. And then you try and overlay what parts make up 80% of your volume and 80% of your revenue. Okay. And you optimize for those. And then everything else basically gets treated. So you you optimize cells for those. Revenue or profit? Uh. <laughs> I think this Reven, one was yeah. done by revenue, but yeah. Okay. Um, you optimize cells for those <coughs> group, which tend to be a pretty small percentage of your okay. total part numbers. And then the other stuff, the outliers basically just get treated as prototypes and go through like a whole different track in the, in the facility.
1: Interesting. This sort of scratches the same itch as like uh Starbucks um, like playbook uh-huh. for like different States of the store. Yeah. Right. It's like, it almost becomes just too difficult to come up with like, I mean, Einstein tried, right? A unifying theory. He spent the last <laughs> half of his career fruitlessly sure. trying to unify <laughs> general relativity with quantum. Yeah. Unsuccessfully. So right now we have two playbooks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> depending on scale. Um, so anyway, it's it's interesting. I look
0: forward to diving into it more. Yeah. Um, already it's kind of like okay we're on the right track and i think there's going to be some pretty good information here um and especially if we start thinking about moving to a different space yes uh, how to organize and do that layout i'm
1: pretty intrigued with uh so absolutely very cool yeah um let's see we have a few things left here uh this is a very short, quick observation. I've been thinking more about, like, TOC versus um, TPS. TOC is Theory of Constraints. TPS is uh, Toyota Production System. Uh-huh. Um, I was sort of thinking, like, TOC is almost for, like, guiding people of where they should put efforts. Yeah. And TPS seems to be more a lot more about building people. Um, mm-hmm. And and also just like it seems like toc is sort of like a management tool and that can be like self-management or it can be like managing the efforts of a company yeah whereas tps I was kind of thinking like if you have a like we've talked about this if you have a small company and your bottleneck is actually human labor then any improvement that frees up human labor which is the goal typically with tps yeah right um I mean, it's for global efficiency, so it doesn't have to be freeing up labor, but it often is um, like it can be reducing defects or something else. Um, yeah. But often the net effect is that you reduce human labor. Um, that is scratching the itch of your bottleneck, right? And but I think the key piece and I think what makes TOC so interesting is that I think a lot of it, it's easy to sort of lose energy when you're just doing TPS. Mm hmm. Like, we've been doing improvements, and it's sort of like, it's great on one hand, like, you see differences, but at the end of the day, it's like, I'm not making more money. Yeah. And it takes, on average, like, one to three years for people to really start seeing an effect. Yeah. And so it takes a huge amount of sort of commitment and faith is not a word I like to use, but almost, right? To like be like, let's keep going. Yeah. We read that it's very powerful. I think we'll get there, and I'm seeing it in a small way. Um, Because I think you're basically taking these little shots in the dark and every now and then Your freed up labor ends up landing like settling on improving an actual bottleneck. Yeah But it's almost left up to chance in a funny way. Yeah whereas TOC is sort of more about spending a lot of that time identifying where Where you're gonna have a really strong effect um, of like improvement effort to effect on profit yeah. Um. And so I just think it's worth noting that they're both sort of very important. And then the other thing is if you point at your true bottleneck with TOC, you're going to want someone who has practiced a lot of TPS yeah. <laughs> to go tackle that. Right? right. Like and so I think it's really useful to to build. It's really useful to start building a lean culture. Mm hmm. Even if you don't know what your bottleneck is. Yeah. Because the second you find your bottleneck, you have people who have practiced uh, identifying the problem, like understand the theory of the effect of like batch size on lead times and the effect of lead times on profit and, and yeah. all this stuff. And so you kind of have the right people to to deal with the problem. Um, yeah. but. And even just for like personal management, I just think like both lenses are useful. One is more like, where should I go? And the other one is more involved with like, how do I get there?
0: Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I've been thinking about that a lot. had a long conversation with our friend, Joe Cobra frame building yesterday and had this conversation with my employees also last week where it's like, okay, I think we've identified that we need another person. We've identified where kind of the hole is in our labor in the, in the shop. I really don't want to just hire someone and make all of our lives like marginally easier. Mm -hmm. Like if we're going to bring somebody in, it needs to in a very consequential way, like tangible way, fill that hole one way or another, whether that's the person directly filling that hole Mm -hmm. or the person freeing up someone else to directly fill that hole or a group of us even to fill that hole. But I think it's very easy to be like, we need another person. Where can we put them? And then like stick them there and everybody gets a little bit taken off of their plate, but there's not like a concrete change to the bottleneck, the labor bottleneck. Mm -hmm. And so I think TOC, well, TPS and TOC is very helpful to be like, okay, here is where that needs to go here's where that additional labor needs to end up one way or the other whether that's they fill it or you stick them here and then it um, <clears throat> it cascades through our labor pool to allow that other hole to be filled in one way or another or dominoes kind of through the system yeah. um, so anyway I've been thinking about that a lot and I yeah. think it's, it's really important and if you don't have the ability to find that hole Keep thinking (laughs) Do more A3 (laughs) Don't hire somebody I think until Uh Because you probably just like kind of cover it up And not realize that it's there
1: Yeah I know um, But not solve it uh, Jay Pearson gave a talk Years ago I remember he said something like I thought I'd hire a second Like I was running around with my hair on fire So I needed to hire And I thought that would fix it But instead I had two people running around with their hair on fire Right Yeah. Yeah That's easy to do.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I just had an interesting, like, brief thought. Yeah. On local optimums versus uh, global. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm looking at what I wrote, I'm, <laughs> I'm sort of rethinking aspects of it. But I took, uh, with, there's this thing called Folklife Festival in Seattle. Okay. And, and I took my daughter and we took the bus. And I was just kind of, like, musing on the sort of differences between Uber taxis and mass transit Mm -hmm. Um, and how like we have this high uh, we put a very high bar on getting an individual person exactly where they need to go with Mm -hmm. the least effort and that seems to me to be sort of a local optimum but when you look at trying to move as many people as possible in a given period of time to where they need to end up eventually mass transit like wins out massively
1: You'd- interesting yes unless um let's see i'm thinking like i think part of the issue is that putting one person in a car yeah it's crazy yeah. because you have whatever a ton and a half of sure. steel and computers and yeah expensive things moving around 150 pounds of person yeah and so, like, then you start looking at like bicycles, sure, where you have twenty pounds of steel moving around. Well, well, even
0: incorporating bicycles into the picture, yeah. If you need to put, get someone seventy miles to right, work right. in the morning, yeah, that involves.
1: No, that's a very interesting thought.
0: Yeah, I mean, on the other hand, I was like, oh, that's batch work, <laughs> right? You're definitely increasing batch size, but I think um, it's like it's not really increasing batch size; it just appears that way because the people are. It? Well, because the people are moving at the same time to these, you know, through these corridors at the same time. So they are effectively a batch. They're just not grouped as such. Like in an Uber or in a train? In an Uber. Oh, yeah. Um, They're just doing it inefficiently. So, uh-huh. anyway. yeah, I
1: think, let's see, a train is batch batching. For sure. Um. Hmm. I'm but to to it's looking at that. over, I don't know. I was just kind of no, like that's looking a super at- interesting what place to apply all the ideas. Of, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a joke, which I think we've mentioned, that Toyota treats their car parts better than hospitals treat their patients <laughs> because uh, they try to reduce waiting uh-huh. for the car parts. Oh, yeah. Um, And we've all been like, oh talk to the receptionist then you do that then it's like, okay sit for half an hour Okay, talk to this person. Okay now sit for another half an hour. Yeah, okay. We have a room. Okay, sit (laughs) Okay, we have a doctor in the room. Yeah, anyway Yeah, anyway, so it's just kind of that's a
0: fascinating Interesting place to look at it and be like, okay, so it feels slower It is slower as an individual. Yeah when you're trying when you wait you know you go you wait for a bus you get on the bus you go to the place you walk to where you need to go right as an individual it's definitely slower from a global perspective of getting eighty thousand people from point a Mm -hmm. to their distributed points and in point b or city b it's absolutely faster
1: yeah especially like new york you see that right like a car is not faster because you have to sit in traffic with all the other cars Mm -hmm. um Yeah, that's really interesting. I'll have to think about (laughs) applying those ideas to cities. Um, Cool. Well, that's 51 minutes. Yeah. Call it a day. day. Kick some of these over to next week. Um, Thanks for listening. Yeah. Hope you all found that interesting. (laughs) (laughs) And see you all on Friday. Adios.